it's been almost two months since I last checked content for this podcast. Now, while that was not cool of me, I just felt like it was a necessary break to get into that creative space and to be able to release content that I was proud of and that you guys could relate to. Now, almost two months later, I'm back. Welcome to Kamonski Soliloquy if you are listening in for the first time. Now, before I get into the content, I like to give you guys your listening options because I feel like if you listen in on the right platform for you, then you have the optimum condition to enjoy the content. So some of the listening platforms that this podcast is on, if you feel like Anchor is not user-friendly enough, include Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Radio Public, Pocket Casts, and Stitcher. I will drop the links to all these listening platforms in the description, so definitely look out for that. So, without further ado, welcome to Kamonski Salilogi. Yay! So during the last episode, I promised that this episode's topic would be mixtapes and generally whether this form of music rollout is better for the music culture than albums currently are. Now, I still plan to keep that promise. So this episode's topic would be mixtapes. And then I will give you guys my insight in regards to that before proceeding to give you my top five favorite mixtapes of all time, both Kenyan and non Kenyan. I would love to hear what you guys feel are your five favorite mixtapes of all time afterwards, but we'll get into that for now. Let's just get into this work. So let's start with a bit of background. Mixtapes originally came onto the scene during the late 60s before becoming a whole thing during the 70s where they were used by DJs and artists alike to entertain the crowds when they lacked the necessary equipment. Fast forward to the 90s, their roles had changed and had become more of an avenue or a means to an end for artists to get their music out there when they had when they lacked the necessary methods of distribution or a label generally to support their cause. Now in 2019, the roles of mixtapes remain the same, but the method of distribution has significantly changed because of the introduction of digital platforms like SoundCloud is much more effective and efficient for an artist to reach people on a global scale with just the click of a button. Which brings me to the question, what is the official definition of a mixtape and why is it so important in the current music scene? In a nutshell, mixtapes are free and official bodies of work put out by artists. However, this definition is not as rigid as I am making it seem because in the recent past, artists have put out music, labeled them mixtapes, and gone ahead and sold them. But I'm not surprised because at the end of the day, these two entities known as art and labels all being put in a box do not go well together. And that's just facts. So then, why are mixtapes better for the music culture than albums currently are? I feel like this boils down to the fact that mixtapes are a bit more craft-centered and thus allow for true artistry to take center stage. And this is purely because the artist is shielded 
from all the pressures of the mainstream realm, which is usually an album domain. I mean, if one does not have to worry about sales or certifications or charting, then they're just free to make good music. Which brings me to the point that during this process, while making a mixtape, I mean, the artist is allowed access to unlimited resources as long as they do not try to profit from them. This includes using any beat, any sample, or any catchphrase they feel will elevate their project. And I feel like that is like hitting the jackpot for any artist worth the salt. My point being, a lot of artists make better music when they're releasing a mixtape than when they're releasing an album. And I can prove it. The first person that comes in mind when I say this is with Khalifa. This has always been that has potential artist, quote-unquote, when it comes to his albums. But the narrative quickly changes when we are talking about, when we are talking about mixtapes to that's his best work, quote-unquote, which to a large extent I agree with. When we're talking best with Khalifa projects, it has to be Kush and Orange Juice, which is just a mixtape. And as I was looking through my list, I realized the same applies to almost every artist on my list. Which we should probably get to. Starting off my mixtapes list is Before the Party by Chris Brown. Now I happen to be a huge, huge Chris Brown fan, but I promise his being on the list is purely based on merit rather than personal bias. And the reason why I feel like this mixtape was so important is because this is the point where all sonic aspects of Chris Brown's arsenal peaked. A lot of times when people speak about Chris Brown, they say that he lacks a classic album. While that may be debatable, I feel like nothing can take away from the fact that he was not, he has never been as diverse as he was on this particular mixtape because every note every beat every concept was intentional making it very cohesive as a mixtape elevating its replay value significantly which means there's something for everyone let me show you why she's such an innocent killer she don't even that right there is freak at night aka fan arguably one of the most sonically complete chris brown songs bold statement i know considering the man has 1 million songs 999,000 of which are great but i stand by my statement now fan is one of the songs of the before the party mixtapes which was released in 2015 and is made up of 35 songs which include demos, covers and original songs. Now the reason I believe this mixtape is iconic is because this was the first time that we saw a top tier mainstream artist release music at such a capacity. Six years on he's released 99 songs within two albums and in a way it's brought back the double disc culture. 
But what's most surprising about this mixtape was how well everything was arranged and the versatility of the songs, plus how top-notch the production value was, ranging from songs like Start It Slow, Holy Angel, and his cover of Jamie Foxx's text message. I had a battle on whether to settle for this mixtape or in my zone, but I feel like before the party just eclipses the replay value and timelessness of in my zone, which is also a fantastic mixtape by the way. You guys should totally check it out. My verdict, however, uh, not many people can hold your attention in an album, let alone a 35 song project, except for someone with Chris Brown's level of talent. Say what you want about the man, but no one can deny his overall impact on the music scene, and this is just one of the many ways that he has influenced the scene. Now let's move on to arguably one of the most important underrated gems in Kenyan music history. Yo, many questions, like, like, I got many questions, like, like, can you ever see the day made men make other men famous, may they put it in the papers, May 1st, I'll be waiting on a favor, but my birthday a month later, and Lord knows when reality checks were so cold, we don't wanna be dressed, it's all golden vests, got our legs, legs toes and chest, tattooed so we don't forget that we know some sh- If you can't immediately tell who that is, your age is showing, my friend. <laughs> but let's not get ahead of ourselves. Let's go all the way back. Now, alternative hip-hop is barely a thing in world music in 2020. So picture how futuristic you'd have to be to create something so different in 2014. I mean, who samples Thundercut in 2014? Tayo that's who. Coming off the back of the success of Camp Mula, one of the most daring Kenyan groups to ever exist, Tayo in 2014 stated the genre-bending, envelope-pushing course that Camp Mula had charted with the release of this mixtape. Personally, I am yet to see a braver, well-crafted Kenyan project. I just wish it was longer. But with Man-Made Machine, Tayo Tripper blurred the lines on what is possible and what is impossible. And last but not least is Nostalgia Ultra by one of Generation Z's most important artists, Frank Ocean. Over the years, Frank has been revered for his contributions on his more official, let's say, bodies of work. But his first mixtape, Nostalgia Ultra, is arguably his most impactful project. His fearlessness to cover a song as iconic as Coldplay's Strawberry Swings and his vulnerability on songs like Songs About Women endeared him to many across the globe. Whilst everyone is always first to jump on the Chanel Orange and Blonde boat, I don't think many people appreciate Frank's music and sonic ability on this particular project. So I thought, let's just close out this episode 
the right way with some good old old school Frank Ocean magic. And what a better way to end the episode than with the sweetness of Frank's cover of Coldplay's Strawberry Swings. But before I go, follow this podcast on Twitter at Kamonsky Soliloquy and check out the very lovingly curated playlist on Deza. The account goes by the name Steve Martin. I would also love to hear the content you'd like to see on here since I'm planning on releasing episodes again. So don't be a stranger. Hugs and kisses. I've loved all the time